I'm Damien Edwardson, one half of Art 92 and the creator of the sci-fi wrestling comic, The Galaxy Grappling Alliance. And welcome to Oh Men to That, the chip-free sporadic podcast series where I'll be talking to a selection of hand-picked guests on a diverse range of topics centred in and around the world of art, comics and all things creative. So on today's show, I'm thrilled to be chatting to another of my favourite comic artists with a CV that includes work for Image, Dark Horse, Marvel UK, Xenoscope and a little known comic called 2000 AD. He's a regular on the convention scene where you can usually find him ploughing his way through a mountain of commissions. In addition, he's also a pretty good guitarist and he has a wonderful taste in shoes. As we record this episode, he's once again gracing the Judge Dread magazine, and it's great to see him back on old stony face. So without further ado, it's a big hello to possibly one of the nicest and the most stylish people in comics, Ian Richardson. Now, that's what I call an intro. Well, you can pay me later. No, well, this is I'm going to pay you to be my publicist, I think. <laughs> how are you, Damien? You all right, I'm all right, mate. Yeah, how, how are you in these... Uh... Unusual times. I know we've had a bit of chat before we started recording, but you safe and well? Yes. Yeah. Tucked up at home like most comic artists and uh, not seeing much beyond the old four studio walls. But, hey, could be worse, couldn't it? Well, I suppose the advantage of what you do, as we were talking about, is that at least you're required to be at home to get the work done. So in that sense, very much so. It's, very much so. I, I, it's, it's one of those things over the past sort of 12 months I've, I've counted myself very, very fortunate. I mean, it, it hasn't really affected the, uh, the workload too much. There was, there was an interesting lull at the, the very, very start of, um, lockdowns worldwide where i think everybody kind of there was that momentary panic a little bit yeah that everybody was kind of going okay we've got to stop everything and and things went a little quiet but i was quite fortunate enough that i got stuff booked in in advance and uh yeah it's been all right yeah miss miss seeing friends and, and and stuff more than anything else yeah, I mean, I suppose for you, because the, the biggest thing, I suppose, has been the uh, the lack of conventions, because, yeah. you know, you, you're the master of commissions, aren't you? I mean, you and John <laughs> McRae, I've never known two people do as many commissions on the day as you two guys in my entire life. You know, you're always sort of beavering away. So I suppose that's been a bit strange for you. Yeah, I'll give that one to John on the day. It's usually, <laughs> it's usually me who's going... Do you mind if I take this home and finish it and stick it in the post to you? Because I'm really slow. Um, yeah, I, I figured I had a little count up the other day and through the, the course of our various lockdowns, I think it works out. I missed probably about eight regular conventions that I would have gone to. Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? You know, it's, uh... It is. It is. Um, yeah, you try and be a little bit of, a little bit philosophical about it. I, I guess as as we were saying, you know, you you're you're safe and well, and and that'll do for yeah. the moment. You know, yeah. As uh, soon as we're all back out there, everybody's going to be chomping at the bit to to get on a convention floor anyway. So, um, I, my I do have one tentatively booked. 
Oh. Uh, which I, well, I, I might very well see you guys there. So my first convention at the moment for nearly two years will be Thought Bubble in November. Ah, oh, brilliant. Actually, um, outside of, of going before as a, as a punter, this will be my first time exhibiting at Thought Bubble. Cool. I'm surprised you've never been before, actually, as an exhibitor. It's, uh, it does surprise um, me. It's, I, I think mostly, like I said, I've been in a couple of times before to kind of check it mm. out and stuff. And it's one of those things that, that had always uh, come towards the end of the year and that I'd perhaps been a little bit too slow in booking a table. Right. Because we all know, you know, you have to book it at the start of the year. So perhaps I've been a little bit too slow for that. And and also it's it's crossed with a couple of things like um like perhaps I'd have been in Malta uh, yeah. um last year uh and the year before I had planned on being at the New York show. So they're all about the kind of same time of year. Yeah, they're in that November window, aren't they? Yeah. 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 So um yeah. Something had to go somewhere. But no, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. As I say, it's a double-edged thing. It being... oh, you'll, you'll, you'll do gangbusters, there, mate. I tell you, the love Fingers it. crossed. Well, yeah. this, this is it. Because if it all goes to plan, then I'll have my first ever sketchbook for Thought Bubble as well. Just, you heard it here just... first. That. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's <laughs> an exclusive. We're only a few minutes in. Look at this. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Brilliant. Just imagine what else is to come. Um, I dread to think. <laughs> <laughs> I promise I'll keep it clean. So now I just need to get my ass into gear and, and kind of put it together. I've got all the material for it. It's just the physical kind of organising it all and getting it off to the printers and so on. But yeah, we got our annual um, rejection from Thought Bubble again this year. So uh, it's, it's one of those things that you kind of do and you, you know, the inevitable answer is always no, but you do it anyway. Um, but, you know, maybe maybe one year, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. That's strange because no offence to some people, but I've seen some people that are there and you guys are gangbusters. Who knows, mate, what, what they're looking for. Um, we don't seem to have much luck with curated conventions. Maybe it's just our style of work, I don't know, but we don't seem to get much joy, to be honest. So um, it's just one of those that, things, isn't it? You know. On that subject, the Thought Bubble will be my first, for want of a, a better description, curated convention like that. Um, you know, most everything I do, other than that, I'm very, very fortunate mm. to kind of uh, to have an invite for. Well, as you should. You're I, a pro. It's a, weird, it's a weird thing. So I'm, I'm, I might venture into slightly controversial territory here. Then um, I don't, I don't take it for granted. You know, mm. I don't, and and I see. I've been to shows and there are shows with other guests that demand things. I want this. I want that. I want travel paid for. I want this quality hotel paid for. It's just a bit much for me. You know what I mean? You kind yeah, of, yeah. You 
you kind of go at the end, at the end of the day, uh, however much we adore this medium, you're just a comic book artist. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. You, you scribble on things for a living. You, you don't have um, you don't have a right to do, demand anything, as far as I'm concerned, especially when you know you kind of go to a, a, a decent um sizable events you'll be earning anyway mm. you know I, it's just one of the one of those things i think is is kind of taking the pay a little yeah and i don't think people realize how hard it is for um event organizers as well no. you know i mean because we both know dennis who does oldham comic yeah. i mean obviously you know him very well and you know, the amount of work that, that goes into those shows, like him and Shane and people like that, you know, it's not like they're making a massive profit at the end of no, it. No. It's literally run at cost, isn't it? You know? Yeah. The, the budget for these things aren't bottomless pits to pay for your first class flight from wherever to sit there for a couple of hours signing things. You know, it's. Yeah. <sighs> Maybe well, I'm not the jaded enough old hack just yet. Possibly, yeah, yeah. You know, you need to you need to work on that. You you're being too okay. nice and sensible yeah. there. It'll never catch that, on. No, as we've, no. As we've seen over the last twelve months, there's no room for common sense. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Well, this is, this is obviously my failings. I'm, I'm far too uh, display far too much common sense and think of others. What Outrageous. on earth? what i was thinking i, no I expect idea. you i expect to think about this conversation <laughs> afterwards and make oh, well. appropriate changes <laughs> oh, <well. laughs> i'm at any kind of public event i shall storm through the doors shouting at high volume don't <laughs> you know who i am <laughs> at which point everybody turns around and goes no but they will oh. go we might not know who you are but you've got some <laughs> cracking boots on we'll give you that i, I have mate i have I have a selection. So the purpose of the show today is that we talk to creators about the history in comics and, you know, a little bit about why you why you got into comics in the first place, because it's fascinating to hear people's journeys. You know, some people kind of fall into it. Some people, that's all they ever wanted to do. Do you want to just start by telling us a little bit about your history with comics as a medium? And, and you know, have you always been interested in comics? And yeah. what kind of comics did you read as a kid and stuff like that? Always, always been a proper fanboy. I can, I can, like, properly pinpoint the moment that it got started. Properly started. I mean, I remember as a young kid, sort of a really young kid having the Dino and uh, the Dino and the Bandy. <laughs> <laughs> the Beano and the Dandy, um, and you know, I, I kind of enjoyed them. But then the, there was the the kind of British Marvel reprints that I remember my mum picking me up one day from the newsagents, and that's me properly, properly sold. Yeah, from from that first Spider-Man story I read, and then I didn't. I don't think I made a conscious kind of link to between what I enjoyed and the potential of it being any kind of career. Right. Um, straight after leaving school, I, I got into a, a graphic artist apprenticeship 
and did that and stayed there for quite a long time actually um right. like 10 years um all the way through to being self-employed and stuff and until i i kind of got fed up of it and, and every one of those jobs where every everybody wants everything yesterday for a fiver yeah so you you, you kind of lose interest with with that after a while and i, I can just remember the one day sitting at home when i was supposed to be working thinking i wonder if i could do this drawing comics and then literally just did it from there started putting portfolios together started showing stuff at some conventions which is what we used to do back in the day we used to have a physical portfolio and and go and see editors like eager little children please give me some work sir yes i remember it well <laughs> i tell you I, I genuinely genuinely miss that approach to getting work these days mm. it's uh, it's something you can kind of get your point of view over more yeah um, with person face to face i suppose it's different um because you're you're an established artist because obviously i still go through that that joyful experience of you know lugging a portfolio around and sort of the hope and anticipation that it won't get absolutely destroyed by an editor you know and there is something good about that because you i think if people go into it thinking they're going to love your work and throw work at you you're yeah. bitterly, bitterly going to be disappointed. Whereas, you know, I always try and take it as a learning experience because there's always there's always an opinion about your work Absolutely. that will make it better. You know. And and I think that the the benefit for those live portfolio reviews, if you like, um, you're always going to at the very least get some kind of feedback about what yeah. you might be doing right what you might be doing wrong whereas if you're email pitching stuff or or social media pitching stuff the person on the other end it's very easy to ignore isn't it yeah whereas if you're kind of physically sat in front of somebody and again it's very difficult to um unless you go through like the formal submission routes it's very difficult yes. to get your work in front of editors virtually because there's no in you know they don't they don't let you email them directly unless you've met them first and you know it is it is incredibly difficult and i know people think it's easy now they think you just you know upload your portfolio and away you go but so do thousands of others (laughs) absolutely absolutely Uh, um it's perhaps one of the the slight drawbacks of, of this job and what we're doing as much as because you're working at home you know you're not an active employer what have you and when you're pitching stuff or you're showing your samples so is the rest of the world it's it's not that job that's 10 minutes down the road for you that you, you go and have an interview along with everybody else within a six mile radius it's yeah. everybody else the rest of the world that wants to do the same thing so um it, it is very much an employer's market yeah and i think there's something to be said about physically meeting people as well isn't it quite ironic in the times we're in at the moment but you know i know the i've read many things where editors have been putting articles online about you know things to do when you have a portfolio review and 
a lot of them say that you know it's not it's not always about the work you know sometimes it will be about the individual that can determine whether or not they want to work with you you know if you come across as a complete arsehole there's there's a, a, a famous three bullet points that you allegedly need two of to be able to get your work be good be quick and don't be an asshole mm. so if you kind of if you can nail two of those <laughs> yeah. you kind of you're heading in the right direction so so that's exactly right what you were saying here you know you you kind of have that face to face and if somebody can see you're you're a nice guy you know it's at least foot in the door kind of thing yeah and i know you um actually do portfolio reviews yourself don't you because you you did some at ice um, did you do some all them as well quite possibly i always remember my <laughs> the one portfolio review I ended up doing, um, I, I kind of look back on and it made me chuckle. But at the time, I ended up thinking, you git. Um, it wasn't mine, was we, it? No, no, not at all. <laughs> um, I'm going to embarrass Tharg now. I, was just, I, can't, I can't remember for the life of me where it was. It might have even been Bristol. Right. And um, we'd just done a 2018 panel. And I was walking out at the same time as Matt Smith was, who's the, for anybody that doesn't know, is a 2000 AD editor. Um, and I, I just having a conversation, I said to him, oh, what are you doing now? And he said, oh, I'm just going to do a portfolio review. And me either being a thoroughly nice chap or a brown nose, um, I said, oh, do you want a hand? I'll come and give you a hand. He said, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. So I went and sat down. Two of us behind a table, queue of people bringing portfolios up. First guy puts his portfolio on the table. Matt Smith sat back and I did the whole hour. <laughs> he hardly said a word. And I ended up doing the whole thing, which was even worse because it was many, many years ago. And I shouldn't really have been doing portfolio reviews because I didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> Brilliant. Bless his cotton socks. I always remember that. Thanks for that, Matt. Well, hey, you know, you got to give people a chance, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> yeah, he, he grabbed that with both hands. Bless his cotton socks. So, just just talk about your work then a little bit more, because you work traditionally. You're one of the, the probably yeah. one of the decreasing number of artists who work purely traditionally. I think it stays out of preference, personal preference for me. Now, right. Um, I still like the feel of the pen and paper on board. Mm. And I, I suppose at this stage, there's a certain, uh, there's a familiarity and a comfort to it. Um, so I know what I'm doing. I know what I feel. I have a literally, somebody gave me a tablet once and said, here, try. And I tried about three lines and just went, no, no, don't like it. No, no, take it back. Yeah. Um, so the only perceived need for me to kind of change at the moment uh, would there would be a slight speed benefit, maybe. Mm. And I can kind of skip certain parts of the process, but I still like it. And I also look at it that I kind of get the benefits of there are physical pages that I can sell on. Yeah. After, you know. There's, there's still uh, an enthusiastic 
original art market. Um, so I get that benefit from from it. And also kind of going back to cons again, um, I avoid the slight look of terror I've seen in some digital artists' eyes. Uh, can't <laughs> they're faced with having to draw things on pen and paper for the first time. I, yeah. I can remember we were at LFCC a couple of years back, and I'm not going to name names, but there's a really, really high-profile uh, DC artist who was a guest there uh, who works digitally all the time. Right. And I was, I was kind of passing his table on the first thing on, on a Friday, and um, I just happened to say, are you looking forward to the weekend? And he goes, no, I'm scared. So what's what for? So I haven't drawn on board or paper for years. Wow. And it was just like, and now you've got to do that in front of people. Yeah. So I did, yeah, it's it's nice. I, I like the process. I, I, at the end of the day, I still end up having to scan the pages in to to kind of send them out to to editors anyway. And there are bits and pieces of tinkering that I do do digitally as well, usually kind of um, texturing stuff and things like that. Yeah, um, yeah. But but by and large, yeah, I've still got a big-ass drawing board right next to me. And you, you, Well, your pencils are, are beautiful. I mean, they really are. I mean, I've seen, obviously, quite a lot of your work. And um, honestly, mate, you still something about physically penciled or inked work that – you can't replace, can you? If given the choice, I would probably just pencil stuff for the rest of my born days. And that would mm-hmm. do. Um, if I could find, well, in the process of finding uh, an inker that I'd prefer to work with and that I'd really trust with my stuff all the time, I'd just I'd pencil stuff and, and wouldn't do anything else. Yeah. It's it's an interesting thing. I, I think by the time it gets to inks, if you have done the whole thing traditionally, um, it maybe does lose a little bit by the time you've come to the final thing. Because you know how it works. By the time you get to that final inked page, I've probably drawn that panel, that image, what have you, three or four times. Yeah. Between thumbnails and sketches and then pencils and then inks so i don't know i'll get by then well it doesn't uh it doesn't show me i mean your, your work is this lovely i'm not just saying that because you're on obviously but i mean it's because i paid you isn't it well that's true yeah yeah but um i think we were in manchester and you had some some sort of sketches and stuff that you were selling at some ridiculously cheap price because i remember john royal was telling you off because you were too cheap John Royal's always telling me something. <laughs> He's another beautiful um, artist, isn't he? Another beautiful pencil. It's like, yes. but uh, and you had some stuff there. And I think you had some unit. Was it some classic kind of Universal monster sketches that you'd done at the time? I did some for a, yeah, I did. I did a little range while I had some. Oh, for and while. I wished I, I wished I bought some now because they were absolutely stunning, mate. They're absolutely gorgeous. I mean, if you've never seen Ian's work and if you go into thought bubble and he's there this year then have a look through his, his sort of portfolios because honestly the pencils you're a beautifully tight penciler as well which i've kind of gone that i've gone that other way where i i i've gone looser with my pencils and i get tighter with the inks now 
to try and avoid, like you were saying, a little bit of fatigue where you're going yeah. over the same thing. So I try and I've been trying to do that. Funnily enough, um, at the moment, I'm probably the same as you. If I know I'm going to be the ink in the final product, if I know I'm going to be the inker as well, then the pencils are a little more sketchy because I, I know yeah. I haven't got to translate the, the thing to somebody else. But then I've got to, then I switch if I know I'm just going to pencil something. Yeah. And I genuinely think that tightness comes from inking your own work. I get used to doing the finished article, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, that is a full circle round to my first job. My first professional job was 2008. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Sinister Dexter. I was going to say that was, um, I had a look on Barney before we had this, mm, this mm. chat and um, it had you in there. Was it 2001? Was that yeah, 2001, 2002. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't look old enough. You know what I mean? Cotton socks, boy. Bathing in bloods of virgins works very, very well. <laughs> so how did that come about then? How did you, because obviously 2000 AD is, it's, for, for people of our generation, it's the yeah. holy grail, I still think. You know, to this day, I think it's, you of, know, even if you just get generation. one shot, it's it's the thing that you want to do, yeah. isn't it? You know, of our generation and our nationality, especially, you know, because it, yeah. it, it, it is a British institution. Um, but it, it came out of exactly what we've been talking about, portfolio reviews at shows. Wow. Um, Funnily enough, I can't remember which show. I just know what it was. And I was I showed my stuff to um, Andy Diggle, who was editor at the time. And he took my contact details, um, stayed in touch, had a couple of emails backwards and forwards. Uh, I think I maybe sent him one extra lot of samples. Mm. And then about three months after the that very first meeting saying, oh, I'm trying to remember it, but I can't even remember whether it was a phone call or an email, one or the other, out of the blue, and said, I have this Sinister Dexter strip. Would you like to do it? Um, so I kind of went, oh, yeah, go on then. <laughs> so after I'd run around the flat a few times. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a, a Sinister Dexter, fully laundromatic. Was it Dan Abner who wrote it's, it? Yeah, Dan, yeah. Uh, I think I'm right, touch wood, in saying Dan's written every single uh, Sinister Dexter. It's kind of his baby, I think. Brilliant. So, yeah, that was that. Um, done a few Sinister Dexters since. Um, so what's it like you... being an art droid then? You know, because, again, as I say, for a lot of us on the outside looking in, that's kind of like, you know, it's your, it's one of your bucket list kind of jobs you know either a cover or interiors or whatever but just to get into 2000 either the magazine or the weekly is is kind of like still the thing that lots of us aim for so what's it what's it actually like though is it is it do you find that that is pressure because of our generation and what it means to us as a as a as you say as an institution in british comics or do you just say fuck it and go for it you know it's it's a double-edged sword in as much as 
um, without sounding all artsy-fartsy and poncy, there will never be as much pressure on me than that that I put on myself. Yeah. You're probably very much the same. You're always your own worst critic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> always. And, and you know, the, the amount of times you will show people stuff and they think how wonderful it is and they uh, really enjoy it and compliments coming up there were so, um all you can see is what's wrong with it. Um, so at least my personal experience of doing stuff for 2018 is the least pressured environment whatsoever. Wow. It's so chilled out. Um, usually deadlines are quite lengthy and stuff. Right. Um, personally, I've never, it's the only job that I've never had to submit layouts for a gig it's literally just here's the script this is it any questions do you need any reference just get on with it yeah and i I think i'm right in saying i don't think i've had one single correction in any of the stuff i've ever done for wow i really should have (laughs) really really should have um but yeah especially uh, because i think i after starting i think i did maybe two stories for Andy Diggle before Andy was leaving and then Matt was uh, Matt was Andy's uh, assistant editor at the time and when Matt took over everything else I've done is for for Matt Smith and and Matt's like really really laid back about stuff Um, so it is literally the most chilled gig ever that's quite surprising actually because I guess you know you I don't know maybe you just imagine that it's going to be a really intense environment and you know and it's it's quite quite fascinating to learn that because it is actually quite laid back you know i think because you say I, I think to people of our generation in this country it's a magazine that that means that much and you can see how it's the word I'm looking for, probably dedicated. You can see how invested the fan base is. Yeah. Boris. So, you know, you kind of always want to do a good job, especially if you're doing stuff like Dread, which tends to be, you know, it's, it's the flagship character more than anything yeah. else, isn't it? Yeah. So speaking of uh, of Dread then, so as we record this, you're actually back in the magazine with, uh, oh, with Dread, which is, it's always great to see you back in. 2018, mate. Thanks. And, and I think you do a, a, a brilliant dread. I mean, you've it's kind of got a real heft to the character. You know, he's 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 not that kind of. Sometimes it's hard to determine yeah. with some artists what kind of age range they're putting on dread. But with yours, I get that that almost Frank Miller sort of sense of you know kind of weight and and yeah, it, it's a kind of it's like the Miller Batman, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That and yeah. And I mean, there's I think it's one of those characters as well that there's there's always really, really good, but really different versions of it. Like, I, I mean, I know everybody likes Carlos's version yeah. and stuff, but then sort of growing up, I've got really fond memories of Ron Smith. Yeah. And uh, and obviously Bolland. Um, and and the way Cliff Robinson draws him, like nobody draws him like the way Cliff Robinson draws him. Oh yeah. Which, but you can look at 
say those three they're all they're quite polished versions um and then you can go and look at um you say somebody like dan cornwell yeah the, that's this to me that's a very gritty and british version of it mine's perhaps more an american kind of look to it and stuff but as long as it works and as long as you kind of get the character a little bit you know everybody's got their different versions of it uh, yeah yeah did you get any any steer on you know from the script about what kind of look they wanted him to have or was that just in, again you know from what you've said was it very much they just trusted you to, yeah, to do the work pretty, you know pretty much hands off hands off wow. the, the only things um that there's been where we get extra input were as, as a for instance um this two-parter that's out now um, there's a, a character in there called uh, Bob Belofsky. The story's called um, Don't Drock with Bob. And and when the script came in, uh, it had a couple of conversations with Matt, and, and it's, a, it's a Ken Neumann story. Uh, yeah. Matt and Ken had had a couple of conversations with, they got a rough idea in mind for Bob. But before we got started on it, we said, well, you know, would you mind sketching it out? So I said, well, no, no, it it had um, it had helped my mindset as well to kind of know where I'm going first. So we yeah. got to design that Bob Belofsky character uh, first. So that's that's kind of the extra input comes on things like that um, because um, well, no, it's not going to be spoilers and stuff because part two's out now and we know bob's still around at the end of part two so it was it's a character that they kind of want to use again mm. so we did put a little bit of effort into into the beginning uh and made sure we knew what he would look like and it's an extra extra buzz i have to confess seeing uh the aforementioned cliff robinson yeah. character that you'd come up with the visuals for and the on the cover yeah so that was yeah yeah, yeah. i that, mean it's a slight down below tingle i must admit wasn't it cliff and dylan teague doing the colors on it and stuff it's yeah. like man are we you what? can't really ask for more than that can you god well you could but you shouldn't <laughs> Do you know what <laughs> <I mean? laughs> hey we agreed early in this conversation i've got to start making demands about things now yeah exactly Exactly. You know what I mean? You've let yourself down again, Ian. Tell you, I'm mate. Sorry. Making a I'm note. Sorry, mate. I'm sorry. From now on, I only want Cliff Robinson and Dylan Tate to do my covers. Nobody <laughs> else. So, I mean, what's it like, kind of, um, when you get the script? What's your what's your process around kind of thumbnailing, breaking it down? Because I was I was reading a book the other week about mm. artists and their process, and I know there's kind of Brian Bolland in there, and and um, Steve Dillon, people like that, and Steve Dillon was very much. I don't really do thumbnails. I just draw. <laughs> you know, and he was one of those people that could, couldn't he? You know, infamously, he yeah. just yeah. he could just work top left, bottom right, bang. One of those, one of but, those really annoying talented. Yeah, but what's your kind of um, your own process? Do you thumbnail really tightly, or I mean, because my thumbnails, I've said this before on the show, are absolute disgrace. I mean, I'm doing a, a submission at the moment for a, a two pager for a charity anthology hopefully it'll go in and they wanted to see the thumbnails and i said well look you know not being funny but you'll probably get like three circles and a few stick figures because that's 
how I thumbnail. You know, for me, it's about negative space and stuff, not necessarily yeah. about detailed sketches. What, what's your process like? Yeah, probably yeah. probably somewhere halfway in between. So I'd kind of sit there with the script in front of me, uh, make sure I read the whole thing first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just because there might be something on page 10 that really affects what you do on page one. They've got a third or, arm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or you end up uh, making a rod through your own back and you like you draw a, a really overly complicated detail scene on page one, panel one, and you haven't read the rest of the script. And that scene, that setting is there for the whole of the story. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I always make sure I read the whole thing first. Um, and then as I'm going through it for a second time, I'll perhaps do something that's no more than stick figures, but it's it's setting the page out as a whole for me then. So yeah. I know I've I've not got an overabundance of headshots or overhead shots or long shots or whatever. It's it's a nicely laid out page. Yeah. Um then then it depends if it's if it's like a, a 2018 gig or, or something that I know that I'm going to be doing the completed artwork all the way through myself and, and I'm not I haven't got to submit layouts or whatever. It doesn't stray much beyond those stick figures. Then I'll go right. straight to penciling, and there'll be loose pencils because I know I'm going to ink it. Um, if say the the indie book. The unthinkables that I do, or for argument's sake, Halo for Dark Horse or, or anything like that. Yeah. Um, layouts are to me not full pencils. They're kind of figure outlines, mm. but everything's still anatomically correct and, and the perspectives in place and what have you. Um, because then I'm going to use those layouts myself when I'm on to the next page, you know, if I. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some light box in them or, or what have you. Um, yeah, so they're, they're kind of, they're not as detailed as some people's layouts that I've seen. <laughs> some are crazy, aren't they? I know. It's just some like, people's thumbnails and you're like, Jesus <sighs> Christ. You know. <laughs> give, the, give the rest of us a break, will you? <laughs> yeah. It's funny, though, because uh, you talk about the unthinkables, and I remember seeing some of the pencil pages for that mm. um i think it was when i last saw you actually and you had them and you were you were kind of showing them and they were exquisite man i mean they were like you know finished polished pencil pages and they were beautiful um and is that because you weren't going to be you knew you weren't going to be inking yeah. all of it you know yeah yeah so those those pages were going off to another inker then so um there's still part and parcel of me that kind of goes, I, I should have done more in that thing or in that panel there. Um, if I'm passing it onto an inker where I perhaps haven't entirely conveyed what I want. But right. yeah, I, that's, I suppose it's, it sounds kind of weird, but if I do type pencils and stuff, it's my shorthand, then it's... Yeah. It's it's less to explain to the next person along the line. Yeah, yeah. If I've kind of laid everything out that that is in my head, there. You know, an ink is always going to interpret it 
in their style anyway, as they should. Otherwise, it kind of defeats the object of having somebody else work on it. Um, mm. But yeah, it's one of these things that I think is a self-satisfaction thing to it as well. In as mm. much as if I finish or tightly pencil as much as I can, then from my own point of view, I know whether I've done the right job. I know yeah. whether I've done what I'm trying to kind of express. Yeah. And and just another question, because we, we, a lot of people who listen to the show enjoy, really enjoy these kind of behind the scenes process and how the business works kind of chat. So just just kind of on that, do you find that where you do need to submit layouts, is it different maybe to submitting something that's UK based to maybe the work you did for Image or, some, or Dark Horse, something like that? Do they have a different expectation of what you will send them or is it very much the same across the board i think i genuinely think it varies from editor to editor and company to company um i'm trying to go back like for instance um the dark horse thing was always ultra ultra to the nth degree of everything because it was halo and it was a licensed property right so wasn't just it wasn't just dark horse that you've got to please yeah you've got to please three four three industries as well which is essentially microsoft so they're extra fussy about things um but i think pretty much everything that i have done layouts for i've I've tended to do in the same way because it's kind of um it's the way i would do it it's for me that it's it's the way I would lay out pages for me to draw anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you'll get various different things like, like, say, for instance, cover work. If I'm doing a cover, mm. then although it's one image, it would tend to be three, four, five uh, variations on a theme mm. for that cover for the editor that then pick one from. Whereas, you know, if you're doing sequential pages, you're only doing one version of each page. Otherwise, you'd be here forever and a day. Um, but, yeah, you know, I think it's mostly because of British stuff these days. The, the only real British stuff to do is 2000 AD and maybe Titan stuff. Mm. Uh, I've only got the 2000 AD experience to, to compare on that point of view. Everything else has been like stateside work. Yeah. And... I suppose one of the questions leading on from that is: Is there a title or a character that you'd you'd love to have a crack at? You know, um, I mean, as I said, as mentioned earlier, for a lot of people in my generation, it's it tends to be, you know, 2000 AD or Dread or something like that. It's what you'd really like to have a have a go at. But if you could choose any character or or any kind of title, is there something that you've always had an urge to really throw yourself into? Superman. Really? Yeah. I'm a Superman nut. I've got a lovely print of yours of Superman. Yeah. That that's what I want to do. That print, that's what I want to do. Wow. Yeah, you do a great Superman, I've got to say. I had then in um Stuart Mulrain, who does the true mm. believers. Um we had a Superman episode where we talked about just the character of Superman, because they're both really, super fans. I remember Dennis telling me. Yeah. I have multiple Superman conversations with Dennis. Yeah, and we, we talked about the style of Superman and how sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't work, you know. Yeah. And 
you know, I mean, a lot of people don't like Frank Miller's Superman because what works for the Batman kind of chunky characters yes. doesn't necessarily translate. And I mean, I love Kurt Swan's Superman. You know, that that was my Superman artist growing up. You know, and I just love that clean line, and he's not overly muscular, and and that's very much how you drew him. It, it reminded me very much of a of a kind of John Byrne kind of interpretation, where it, you know he wasn't overly muscular because i think it was dead made a good point about the superman bill muscle you know because <laughs> in theory you can't you yeah, can't it's not like he's working out every day <laughs> no. is it? literally another fiver in the post for you then mate uh my favorite superman is split between three people right it was it was always predominantly john burr and then i really really liked the way Brian Hitch does Superman. Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, at the moment, uh, I don't think you can really beat anything that Ivan Rice does. I would read anything that Ivan Rice draws. Uh, but yeah, those those three are pretty damn perfect Superman to me. Yeah. I'll, I'll add one more into it. Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Yeah, I think that was um, that might have been Den's choice actually when we when we did our favourite artist. It's one of those. He's one of those guys that if you've ever seen any DC marketing stuff from the late seventies all the way through uh, the eighties, you have seen Jose Luis Garcia Lopez's stuff. Yeah. If you've got a DC T-shirt, if you've got a DC mug, you've probably got a piece of his artwork. Yeah, I've got a great book of his um, stuff from, you know, Tomorrow's who do the kind yes. of art book. Yeah, they've got a yes. lovely kind of floppy art edition of his work. And um, oh, he's, he's spectacular, wasn't he? Spectacular. Yeah. I had, I had uh, a nice story with a, uh, an unfortunate ending about Mr. Garcia Lopez. Um, <laughs> a friend of mine was a, a, a US con where he was a guest and she knew that I was like massive fan. Right. And, and asked if I wanted a sketch from him. I said, well, just like it's Garcia Lopez, find out how much it is first. And when she found <laughs> out how much it was, I was like, is that all? I said, right. Really? I, I, I will pay, pay you the money right now. Um, and got him to, he did me a, a dead man bust. Oh, um, lovely signed to Rico and I've got a got a picture of it with him holding it there for me. Great. And then the artwork got lost in between oh, Los Angeles and reaching me here. Yeah. Never <sighs> made to me. So I have a picture of him standing with the dead man sketch, but I never got it. Oh mate. Oh you never know though. It might be one of those things that after like twenty, thirty years it yeah. might just turn up at your door one day, you know. No, I'm I'm constantly browsing sites. Oh. I'm constantly browsing like eBay and comic art fans and thinking like that and, and looking for new Garcia Lopez listings, expecting this um this dead mm. man to turn up. Yeah. But, well, if anybody's listening to this and they they see <laughs> yeah. it anywhere, then uh, drop me in a a quick line and let him know because uh, that's heartbreaking, mate. It's fine. I've got a page of his original artwork anyway, a sequential page, so. That's fine. 
So what is it about Superman? Is it just the the whole character, or just you know, is it is it is it something from a childhood thing, or what what what's I why is that your choice? So. I think it it must literally be those first two uh, American comics characters I can remember reading. It was Spider-Man and it was Superman. And for some reason, I don't know, maybe it was the artwork at the time. Because as, as an aside, I can remember that the, the Spider-Man stuff affected my art choices in, in that much, um, in as much as I'd always, I would always be a Ditko guy rather, right. than, rather than a Jack Kirby guy. Mm. Um. So maybe it was seen. Maybe it was seen that Kurt Swan stuff, or or um, Ross Andrew, who was another great who did a crossover. You know, who did both Spider Man and Superman. Mm. Um, and then kind of as I got older, maybe it's the it's the appeal of the character. He will always do the right thing, whatever. Yeah. No matter how hard it is, how personally telling it is you will always do the right thing yeah and the s it means hope and yeah I, it 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 is a little bit corny but um i don't know it's a, a positive uh image of the character has always appealed to me more than anything else yeah and i think to a degree they've they've kind of dicked around with superman a bit less than say batman so I love Batman. I was always a, I mean, I was always a huge Superman and Batman fan. But probably if I had to pick the two, I would, I would fall on the side of Batman just because I've always loved that kind of slightly darker edge to it. And um, but I've talked about this before as well. I can't read Batman anymore. I can't read the comics anymore because it, firstly, I don't know what what the fuck is going on after time. <laughs> In all honesty, because I'm still like, you know. I dropped out of comics for a long time because life gets in the way, doesn't it? You know, you end up getting it a does, job and working on that. And, you know, and I'd gone through the what I consider really the peak of of that kind of Batman comics era, which was, you know, the mid to late sort of 80s and into the 90s where, you know, you had the, the death in the family and stuff like that. And then I'm, I'm kind of getting back into comics and flicking through. I'm thinking, hang on. Why is Jason Todd back? You know what's going on here, and then you read all this shit where they just destroyed the canon, and I just thought I can't be dealing with this. It just, you know, it does me. Think, it's it's one of the one of the pitfalls of comics in serialized storytelling. At some point, whether you want to or not, you've inevitably inevitably have to do a sense of reinvention a character. Yeah, just to just to be able to move things forward and you will have a changing audience as well to mm. a certain degree so you kind of have to i suppose adapt to the times and, and make changes to give you opportunities to tell more stories rather than repeat the same thing over and over again you know there's no denying some things shouldn't happen yeah but then some things are okay you know i mean you can look at like you say death in the family you can kind of look at it from some point of view and you go, Jason Todd, that's not, no, that's not Robin. Dick Grayson's Robin. Mm. So you kind of, you know, I, I think it's a, perhaps pitfall's the wrong word. Yeah. 
but a, a, a consequence of, of serialized storytelling where you constantly got to find new material and stuff yeah but I guess they've kind of done that less with Superman though, because even though he has changed and he's grown over the years and he's he's now got a kid and all the rest of it, they've still kept that core element of who he is, you know. And I think I think, think that's one of the strengths of the character, really, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. Well, that 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 kind of points out the values of the character, then doesn't it? I think the that main change came from the the. 86, 87, was it? The, the, um, the John Byrne Man of Steel stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, it, if anything, it condensed the character down to its kind of essence of, of stuff. Um, without changing too much, but trimming away the surplus fat, if that mm. makes sense. Yeah. But you should, you should try some of the, the newer Batman stuff, like, for instance, um, Scott Snyder's run. Right. That's really. That's probably kind of Batman stuff starting off, I'd dread to say, maybe even like 10 years ago now. Mm. But like, yeah, um, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo drawing it. Yeah. That's good stuff. Yeah. I've got a few of the, um, you know, the black and white kind of artist editions of those. Where yes. It's all the pencil scan. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I, I bought them for the art because I just, I love that yeah. kind of. Yeah. Raw pencil, you know, Again. in inks kind of look to things. It's, it's like you say, it's that, it's that peek behind the curtain kind of stuff, yeah. isn't it? But I have to confess, I've not read them. I've read them <laughs> in a, I've visually read them. Yes. I've, I've poured over them for hours and hours and hours and looked at page breakdowns and panel layouts and thought, Jesus, you know, some of this stuff's just phenomenal. But I've not actually sat down and read them, <laughs> you know, which is quite quite strange for a comic lover. But I don't know. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll go back and um, I think I'd have to buy the actual coloured versions, though, because I get too distracted with the art with these because it's raw, you know, and it just well, fascinates I'll give you, me. I'll give you a tip then. Um, go and pick out volume one of um, the tray paperback for uh, Scott Snyder's run. So it'll be Snyder and, and Capullo drawing it. Right. Um, and it's, I think that for trades, they're quite reasonably priced and, and stuff. And it's a yeah. good place to start. You're there with six or seven issues, which gives you an idea of kind of, you know, it's not just a single issue for you to kind of um, make your mind up over. I recommend this. Mm. Yeah. No, I will do. I'll 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 broaden my my mind regarding Batman. I'll try and let the past go and the <laughs> fact that they've pissed it, all over Canon. I'll 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 let that go a little bit. <laughs> let it go. Let it go, David. You're in a safe space with me, man. <laughs> Brilliant. So I mean we've kind of talked a little bit about this already, but um mm. another thing that people like about these shows is the advice that they get. Yes. Um, and I know that you've you reviewed my portfolio at one point, which is very kind. I've oh. just about got over from the uh, the mall. I'm sure you did, yeah. I don't think there's any need to set it on fire, though. I think that was going a little bit too far. Um, but, you know. <laughs> but what kind of advice would you give to aspiring comic artists who, who are listening to this? Because, you know, it, it's interesting because I asked this question of artists and writers and publishers and all sorts of stuff and 
it's it's always interesting to find what kind of angle the answer comes mm. from. So, you know, if anybody's out there listening to this and thinking, well, I'd love to take comic art seriously and, and actually have a go, what advice would you give them? Uh, first one is really boring that nobody wants to hear. But you you, you just got to draw all the time. you got to practice. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that one thing that I find myself saying a lot at um, cons when people have asked about it. Um, it's not the best analogy in the world, but if you look at an Olympic athlete, to kind of do what they do, you don't just pop down the track once a week. <laughs> you kind of, you got to do it all the time. Um, literally draw all the time, literally. Yeah. But perhaps try and draw with a purpose in as much as you're, you're trying to do something that either you're not overly familiar with or overly comfortable. Yeah. And the next thing is, depends what, what you want to do. If you want to draw covers, do that. You work that out. You know, um, the, the, next, the, the next kind of thing is, is you've got to fine tune what you want to do to, to present it stuff. You always used to be the thing back in the day when we were presenting portfolios. You would get an editor say to you, what do you want to do? Yeah. So, so if I said I want to pencil sequential pages, and there's a bunch of inking samples in there. The editor then says to me, well, why are you showing me this stuff? Right. You, this is the job you want. So if you want to do painted covers, that's what you work on. Yeah. You make it a focus. Um, if you want to be an inker, get a ton of pencil samples from wherever you can. There's plenty of stuff online. But focus on that. You yeah. Know, don't, don't feel like you have to be master of everything because if you want to do that, if you want to do every single job, then publish your own work, you know, because if yeah. you're going to go draw Captain America, you know, people are going to want certain things. They're going to want you to pencil it or they're going to want you to ink it or they're going to want you to color it. So think about what you want to do and make that focus kind of tunnel vision, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, other thing, st- a light bulb moment for me was starting to look at things as shapes. If you can kind of, you know, when we're all at school and you kind of you do the thing of draw an egg for a head. Yeah. It's the same principle for everything else. If you can kind of boil things down to basic shapes, you're going to find yourself you're going to find it much easier to then draw finished forms if you can break down to the constituent shapes and parts first. That's what Mm -hmm. I did. Um, That that was kind of a light bulb for me in in that sketching stage. So from that point of view, what I mean is when you put the pencil to paper, don't instantly think that the line you're first putting down is going to be your finished line. Yeah you'll get a much better end result if you're sketching things out in shapes, making sure it is what you what you see in your head is translating onto the paper. Mm. If you're sketching out shapes, 
then you can start refining the line and, and coming up with the, the more finished products. Um, and also that way, it gets a ton of mistakes out the window rather <laughs> than you trying to kind of go in with a finished line straight away. Because I can guarantee you nine times out of ten, mm. the first thing you put down won't be what you need to finish off with. Yeah. Not unless you're like Neil Adams or something like that. Or annoyingly talented people like Dylan Teague, what have you? Oh, he's ridiculous, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, I know. And what makes it worse is he's a really nice bloke as well. I know, I know, and I keep hounding him because <laughs> look, I'm already looking forward to your sketchbook. But I've been saying to him for years when I was seeing him, when are we going to get a sketchbook? Because I, I think it was the same um, ice convention when you gave me a portfolio mm. review. And he was doing some workshops on a table and he was just sat there and he was talking to some students and he had his sketchbooks out. And I said, do you mind if I just flick through? And it's like, oh, Jesus Christ. Do you know? And he's going, oh, yeah, I don't like it. Oh, don't look at that one. I don't like it. And I'm thinking, well, if you don't want them, you know, <laughs> I'll look after them for you. I, I, I can, They're beautiful, aren't they? Oh. And, uh, and, and I can add a little something to that to make it even worse. I was having a conversation with him once and I think I was probably doing it exactly the same thing and gushing over some of his sketches and he turned around and he said yeah but I'd rather just colour stuff wow I know bless his cunt sucks I, 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 he should be working far more than, than he does he's a he's a talent isn't he yes very much and again very much like like people like yourself and like john Royal we mentioned before beautiful mastery of the pencil you know i mean really really nice confident lines you know it's just you can just tell when people know what they're doing you know mine look like i've been bloody on the bus drawing them do you know what i mean no that's not true that's not true it's so that's the nice thing about artwork as well. It is, it's a cliche, but it is really a subjective thing, isn't it? You know, there will be somebody that kind of thinks my stuff's okay and then look at yours and go, I'd say I really like the way you paint your stuff. And, you know, yeah, it's well, horses for courses, spec savers, so. mate. <laughs> <laughs> Don't yourself and I just, know again we're, we're all worst enemies aren't we to be fair absolutely you know? absolutely then I, I literally said this to somebody the other day the minute we look at our own stuff and don't think we can improve then there's no point doing it anymore is there pack it in yeah 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 absolutely thankfully i still think i have a lot of improvement to go so i'm just my only concern is i'm getting older now so it's whether i'll have time to actually get all the improvement out of the way you know what i mean of course you do of course you do (laughs) you'll do very nicely thank you very much but that, that, that kind of brings to mind an interesting point from something you'd said earlier about so you you were thinking you'd have to present your portfolio more than i would and it's not true. Honestly, it's not true. You know, I might have a leg up the ladder, so to speak, in as much as there would be some smaller projects that perhaps people have seen my stuff elsewhere 
to, they'll then come to me and say, oh, are you available? Would you be interested in doing this? Blah, 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 blah. Mm. But if it's, if it's me wanting to go and work for XYZ, Johnny Big Superhero Publisher or what have you, I've still got to, you know, I've still got to prove I can do it. I've still got to send sample pages and what have you. Yeah. No, it's just, it's a hustle, isn't it, mate? You know, Absolutely. everyone's and got a hustle. That's probably the one thing I'm not very good at. Yeah. yeah. I was having this discussion with someone the other week about promoting your own work, and I was saying I hate promoting my own stuff. I'm much better with other, like when when I'm tabling and people yeah. are, you know, like going through your your stuff and your comics and stuff and i'm trying to send them to somebody else <laughs> you know i'm going you want to see his stuff over there well, go buy terrible. his stuff over there and, I, I think i've quite literally seen you do that yeah and but there are other people that i was talking to that do the same thing you know there's, there's a guy called steve sims who does this thing called battle badges and he's a tremendous artist and he does the same thing and he was sending people to me and I was sending people to him going, no, 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 you want to go and look at his books. Do you know what I mean? And I don't know. It's a strange thing, isn't it? In the comics world, but not everyone, because there are some Billy Big Balls out there. Do you know? Oh, gotcha. Yeah. But yeah. a lot of people have this real kind of almost imposter syndrome, don't they? About their own work, you know, and it's a strange, strange community like that, isn't it? None of us really um had in the back of my, our minds when we first got I'd, i want to draw for a living i want to make comics for a living i don't think any of us really think okay when i do that i have to become a salesman as well yeah and you know you're selling yourself um and let's be honest we're British as well. We don't do very yeah. It doesn't we help, does it? Very well, do we? <laughs> yeah. It's uh, social media as well. I have a weird relationship with social media, in, in as much mm. as I'm not somebody who likes to spend a tremendous amount of time on it. And I do really appreciate people who engage with me on on social mm. media. Uh, but I'm not one of these people who kind of has to post their life story 27 times a day. I mean, when I've got interesting stuff. Yeah. And yeah. like, like for me, interesting stuff is is me posting some work. Or yeah. posting about Marty for crying out loud. That's more interesting. Well, there you go. You know what I mean? He's, I tell you what, that that bloody dog, he gets more <laughs> interest than any artwork I've ever done. <laughs> oh, bless him. But uh, and for those listening, Marty's our adopted greyhound that we've got. Um, he has a penchant for staring down the camera, which mm. is quite popular. Bless him. But uh, no, you're right, mate. It's um, it's a business, isn't it? And that's the yeah. bit I don't think some of us are particularly comfortable with. But no, no. You've got it's, to to a degree, you know. It's another one of those kind of skills that you have to learn, isn't it? Yeah. You know, along the way. Uh, you don't expect to perhaps have to do that so much, but um, you know, yeah. I, I suppose it's one of those that, again, another cliche. You get out of it what you put into it, kind of thing. Mm. Uh, and if I was a more pushy individual, I perhaps would be uh, a little more higher profile than I am. But you know, I like what I do, and I always say to people, it's better than having a, a real day job. Well. There's something to be said for being a nice person, mate. 
it's uh it's it's important especially in this day and age and talk about social media i mean bloody hell i mean it's one of those things if i could bin it tomorrow i would but it's a necessary evil isn't it these days because for people like myself starting out it's it's an outlet you know and you've got to try and use it just to get your stuff seen it brings us back to that uh, portfolio notion doesn't it you know it's it's one of those things it it is very much like i've still looked at um submission requirements from publishers and, and what have you those that do yeah very often you will get uh you, you look all the details you see what they're after and at the bottom it just sends send us a link to your social media mm-hmm. so we just look at your stuff at our leisure there yeah because uh, nobody wants to get anything through the mail and you know thumb through half a dozen uh photocopies or, or what have you and when they can just flick through a bunch of images on the screen yeah yeah so it, it, yeah. It's, i mean you know it's it's easier from both sides of the coin there i suppose you know it's it's easy okay. to, uh, present your stuff that way fantastic that's some great advice there for anyone listening and it's interesting you say about the breaking things down into constituent shapes because yeah. that's what h does when she she's to uh teach her art classes and when she she does some online um videos about drawing animals and stuff and that's what she does you know she teaches people how to break down different animals into just kind of like you know very basic shapes in order to build the form and and the weight and stuff and it's interesting isn't it it's a, it seems like a very simplistic approach but you're right it makes a hell of a difference you know that's that that simplistic approach i think is what helps because mm. it becomes it becomes less daunting that way yeah what i was saying about the thought in your head of of putting pen or pencil to paper and then as soon as you do that it's going to be your final line then there's even if subconsciously there's a certain amount of trepidation with that whereas if you just i know i'm breaking things down in shapes i'm I'm doing things roughly first Mm. so i know i'm kind of heading in the right direction for what i want and you're kind of building it up in in stages and and that way it becomes that little bit less daunting yeah for me it's getting a shit ton of mistakes out of the way first before Great i stuff. Don't actually get to the final thing and whether i consider it passable or not brilliant great advice so there you go so what i mean i guess final question then is is what other projects are on the boil so what can we expect to see from you in the near future is the you know is the more dread is the you know is there going to be more unthinkables i mean what's what's kind of on your drawing board as it were yes <laughs> no, I, honestly I, I would like to do some more dread. i i want to bug matt about um maybe doing some some other 2000 ad stuff I, i've got bug bear that i would really really love to do some road trooper Ooh, yeah. that would really be nice um so many people working on 2080 so, so I, I patiently wait my turn um to, to bring stuff in unless there's any writer droids listening to this and they <laughs> want to do something specifically new then you know where to reach me give me a shout 
and we will we will dazzle Tharg together. Brilliant. Um, other than that, I'm uh, I'm knee deep in unthinkable stuff at the moment. Right. Uh, the 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 way we um, adapted it, we've got 15 new pages to do for issue two, which I'm currently in the middle of at the moment. Um, and that will continue for a while because we're up to uh, it's intended to be about a seven issue uh, right. uh, for volume one. And then uh, also uh, without telling you what it is or what it's for, other than a little anthology thing, a European anthology thing, um, mm. back uh, almost full circle into my first American job. Right. Which was um, which was doing noble causes for yeah. uh, image with Jay Ferber. So while Jay's busy in Hollywood writing Supergirl, um, okay. <sighs> see these are the kind of shoulders I rub rub myself with these days, you know, Darian. You know, outrageous Hollywood TV writers. Um, so now I'm uh, doing a little story. Uh, with Jay Jay Ferber again. Fantastic. Um, it's got some horror elements to it and stuff, um, but I'm just about to start that quite soon as well. So uh, cool. between on between another half a dozen issues of Unthinkables and that that'll keep me tidied over for the next couple of weeks, I think. Yeah, and when's the um, when's Unthinkables two? Is it going to be kickstarted again? Well, we're we're lucky enough with um, issue two because the the Kickstarter went so well from the first. Yes, it did. It, 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 yeah, it blew away, didn't it? it was superb, yeah, mate. Well, uh, I think we we'd set the uh, the initial goal for five thousand dollars, and it just it reached about fifteen. Yeah. So, um, because it had hit all the way through that uh, upper reach of stretch goals. Mm. One of the stretch goals was to include issue two with issue one. Um, so literally, as soon as I finish these 15 pages, they'll be out off to the printer and they go straight to the, the people who have already backed issue one. We'll look forward um, to that then. <laughs> plus, plus, for anybody that, that didn't back the first Kickstarter, um, the digital, digital and physical editions available on unlikely heroes website so you yeah. can get those the post so then after two is finishing through the post um it'll go back to kickstarter for three slash four got you um and the artwork's already finished for three uh so it'll, it'll be a, a sooner rather than later thing anyway yeah i enjoyed um i enjoyed the first issue i mean your artwork was tremendous mate it was, thank um, you very much so. but it, I, I like the vibe of it as well it was very much a kind of 80s um, yeah almost like a pilot you know where you're getting all the, all the characters together nice. and i really enjoyed it it was, it was it was good fun actually it was like a good disposable read you know like because you read a lot of stuff now and you're like i don't know whether i'm getting old but i read it and then i have to go back and reread it thinking oh fuck it what's going on yeah. now you know and this was just just I just enjoyed it. It was like sticking a VHS in and just you know, it was good, good fun. That's good it. fun. It's it's um it's not overly wordy. There's not twenty seven panels a page. <laughs> um there's 
actiony superhero stuff in it without it being overtly capes. Yeah. You know, there's, yeah. there's enough kind of language in there and, and other bits and pieces to make it of adult interest. Yeah. Uh, Paul Hanley, who who's the writer and, and whose baby it is, you know, he writes a good he writes a good story and he knows what he's doing. Um, no, it was good. Really enjoyed it, mate. Look forward to seeing the rest of it as well. Well, that's the thing I'm looking forward to most, more than anything else as, as it goes on. And then people can find out about more about characters and stuff, but also they can see the artwork improve and stuff because there's a bunch of stuff in, like, uh, the first issue, which is almost like five years old now. Mm. So uh, it'd be nice for people to kind of see some progress along the way. Fantastic. And, of course, you'll be at um, Thought Bubble, which is anybody's... Um, if all goes to plan and, and everybody behaves themselves and we all get vaccinated and whatever, there might be one or two before that anyway, too. But uh, yeah, Thought Bubble will be the big one in November. So I look forward to see lots of people smiling faces. Yes. If you do go to Thought Bubble, then drop by Ian's table because if memory serves, unless there's been a massive hike in prices, he gives his stuff away at ridiculous prices for the quality of it. I can hear John Royal telling you off now in the back of my head about you need so to put your prices up. The, there's a difference, you see. The, there's not as many boobs in my stuff as there is in John Royal. <laughs> so, so I have to discount prices on that level for a second. <laughs> Superb. <laughs> I'll tell you what, he'd make a killing on Kickstarter, wouldn't he? <laughs> too right, too right. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. <laughs> and are you, are you open for commissions at the moment or are you you're too busy with other I, stuff? At the moment, I've kind of put a proper ceiling on commissions because I'm, I'm looking over my shoulder and looking at my list and there's still, oh, there's still 20 plus on there to do. So I'm, I'm very sensibly, at least for the foreseeable future, put a cap on commissions and whatever. Um, so I don't get too many angry people knocking on the door and going, uh, <laughs> where's mine? Any day. Well, it's worth the wait, isn't it? That's the thing. Absolutely. Always going to be worth the wait, mate. That's been brilliant. Brilliant. So do you want to let people know where they can find you on um, that dreaded social media and websites and stuff like that? More importantly, where can they buy your stuff? You know. Right. Uh, Instagram for me is Ian underscore Richardson underscore art. And then Facebook, I think you just uh, just search for Ian Richardson and see my ugly mug um, hiding behind a sometimes cartoonist, always anti-fascist uh, little picture. Nice. Um, and that's it for me. I don't have I don't run a website on my own just because I'm too lazy. <laughs> and, and I like sleeping sometimes because <laughs> not enough hours in the day. Um, See, I'm very but, lucky that H does all that stuff for us because uh, I'm just yeah. shit at it, to be honest. <laughs> so I hear a swearing, and I'm thinking, oh, she's updating the website. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest, when H is so good at it, why bother doing it yourself anyway? I know, truly, she's good at everything. I mean, she, she really is. She's, she's just done a, a comic, again, to go in a, a charity anthology. So she's done that. And she's like, well, I don't really do comics. And I'm like, that's really good. <laughs> it's like, that's really, really good. 
And then, yeah. uh, I mean, because she did obviously, a, a, what was it, about 16 pages when we did um, the first pre-mortis, you know, which was, which yeah. was I thought was fantastic. And now she's so, working on something else now. She's kind of got that fire back. And it's like, I'm what, you know, I'm like spend their whole day flatting and she'll have done like two pages and I'm like, you, you're really good and really quick, aren't you? <laughs> it makes me sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People who but again, good, good. suffers from that chronic situation of, yeah. you know, never thinks the work's good enough. Well, it's one of them, isn't it, mate? It's the curse, you, isn't it? You both need, you both need uh, uh, pointing out to the contrary on that one. <laughs> you're very kind. And I will, I will return that five pound that I owe you for that. I, I, but um, let's let's be honest. By the end of this, I think I owe you about thirty-five. <laughs> well, what I'll do, mate, I'll stick all your links because there's not many of them, thankfully. So that's there nice. Because um, normally it takes me as long to write the bloody show notes up than it does to do the podcast. But I shall put Ian's links in the show notes, so you've got no excuse for not finding him and having a look at his absolutely gorgeous work. Because it is, and square. Thank you. Get down to Thought Bubble. Get down to you know if if you're at LFCC in the near future, or whatever. Because I know you you're there quite often. Go and say hello to Ian. And honestly, he's a you're a diamond geezer, aren't you? And check his shoes out because I guarantee he'll have some decent decent <laughs> footwear on. <laughs> now I'm under pressure to wear decent footwear to. Yeah. You'll have Krusty the Clown shoes next time. Yeah. yeah. You watch the one day I watch <laughs> in a pair of Converse. Somebody will walk up to the table, be looking underneath and say, excuse me, Damien said, yeah. footwear. I'm yeah. disappointed. Yeah. Oh, there'll be, there'll be photographs. <sighs> Set awesome. That's been really good, mate. And, um, My pleasure. <laughs> no, it's, it's very kind of to to get you on after several hiccups. There were there were a few issues with rescheduling this, including technical issues and timing issues and stuff. So really appreciate you sticking with us and, and coming on to to talk about stuff. But it's exactly like you said. It's worth the wait. <laughs> yeah, no people don't say that about me very often, to be honest. Well, <laughs> oh, I, just, all. I just did. And if you do want to see any more about my work, um, then it's all at Art92. So the website's art92.com, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, H's YouTube videos. It's all under Art92 because, as I say, every every time we do a show, you get to my age, you're lucky if you remember to put your pants on in the morning. So if you've got more than one social media handle, you're screwed. You know, you're never going to remember what they are. So you were going to say then, I was listening more than one pair of pants. <laughs> now then, get your fantasies to yourself, you young man. I've been stuck inside for too long. <laughs> yeah, you've not been stuck inside that long, mate, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, no, no. <laughs> and uh, I hope you've enjoyed the show. I can't imagine you won't have enjoyed the show, but if you have, then remember you can check out previous episodes. We're on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, all sorts of things i keep getting notifications that we're now on a different podcast provider and i've never heard of them half of them do you know what i mean but you can subscribe and you know so you don't miss it miss an episode so and if you feel really inclined then you can give us a review because apparently it does something to help other people find the show so 
there might just be more than me and the dog that listen to this. And it would be well deserved. Thank you very much. So once again, just thanks to Ian. It, it's always lovely talking to you, mate. And you, you always have Pleasure. time for us thank when we see you. Why ever wouldn't I? No, and, thank you very much for having me on. It's, it's been a been a blast. It's always good fun talking to you. No, absolutely, mate. And I can't wait till we can actually see each other again. It's yeah, been, definitely. you know, I, I didn't think I'd be saying that, but you know, <laughs> that's how bad it's got. <laughs> yeah, that's not what you were saying to me the last time. <laughs> well, you were setting fire to my portfolio, I think. So I was quite. <laughs> okay. Fair point. Fair point. Excellent. And as we leave you, I'll just let you uh, ponder these thoughts from John Winston Lennon, who said, everything will be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, it's not the end. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>